This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back from the break. I'm Christian Tevish, and this is Work of Tomorrow on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Today we are talking about design and design thinking in healthcare. In the first half of the show, I had the pleasure of talking to Buon Koo, the Assistant Dean for Health and Design at Thomas Jefferson University, and we are talking about how design is changing the medical school curriculum. Uh, if you've missed the first uh, half of the show, you can go to workoftomorrow.com to get access to this and all other previous episodes of my show at this point. I want to welcome Grant Geiger, who is the founder and CEO of EIR Healthcare. Welcome, Grant. Hi, Christian. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Now, Grant, you have been listed as one of the top emerging healthcare leaders, and you have launched some pretty cool solutions to build better hospitals that we're about to talk about. But what really caught my eye in preparing for this show is that you have an undergraduate minor in German. What is the story behind that? That's a great, that's a great catch, yes. Um, so my background and, and my family um, is actually that my, my father uh, immigrated to the United States back in the, uh, the 1970s. And so um, I grew up in a in a dual uh, language and a bilingual household um, and uh, have studied uh, German essentially my uh, my entire life. Uh, my, my father was, was adamant about it. And uh, when I reached the university level, saw an opportunity to, to cement my education. And um, having lived in Germany for a number of years, it only made sense. So um, uh, that's that's my background on that. And and actually wrote a very interesting thesis discussing the difference in, in German and American uh, work culture uh, and how that affects uh, uh, working uh, day-to-day operations in companies. Yeah, so everybody here in the studio is impressed and that, that's, that that would like be the subject of a whole other show here. But <laughs> let's transition to your new business. Uh, tell us what you're doing. So I uh, am the founder and CEO of Air Healthcare. Um, and I uh, founded and, and started this company back back in 2016. And, uh, you know, our focus uh, is looking at the intersection, what we like to call is the intersection of healthcare technology and physical infrastructure and design. Um, so much like what was mentioned with your earlier speaker, the design changes and influences in healthcare are significant. And my background in technology, specifically healthcare IT, um, are an important factor as well. And so we're sitting there trying to deliver an optimized uh, product, which is physical infrastructure, uh, physical real estate to the hospital and healthcare space. So real estate uh, and physical infrastructure. Uh, so your main product is Med Modular, if I understand it, a modular hospital room. What what does that mean? <laughs> Good question. So Med Modular, uh, which we launched earlier this year in September, is the first introduction uh, to the market of a completely designed, built, and manufactured patient room uh, built in a factory setting, delivered on-site to uh, the construction site. And we do everything from the external facade, if needed, all the way through to the interior hallway. But essentially what we're delivering is a turnkey solution that includes everything in the room that you need from an MEP standpoint, any mechanical needs, any healthcare IT needs, which is important for us, um, but all using design thinking and evidence-based design to deliver what we think is a, a better patient experience. And this ultimately results in a faster construction time um, and also we think leads to a reduction in cost. 
to get that facility up and running uh, faster. Brandon, I, I say the following question was all the uh, friendliness that I have to any of my guests, but that sounds to me like building a mansion of hospitals, so to say, right? I mean, I, uh, you see a lot of in the kind of cookie cutter houses in the suburbs, and I'm sure that many of these big firms that designed those have done some design thinking, uh, and, and maybe that's a good thing, right? I mean, if, if you think about the benefits of having some, you know, there are many houses that are built and makes a lot of sense to have somebody figure out once how to lay out a kitchen and, and kind of replicate that. Uh, would you be offended if I called you the McMansion of hospitals? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be offended at all. But to to explore that a little bit better, I would say that you know the technology and and the uh, manufacturing that we're actually leveraging to achieve this comes from the shipbuilding industry. And interestingly enough, what we were looking at for healthcare is in the construction space. What is a repeatable product or what is a re repeatable process? And and we landed on patient rooms. Um, and incidentally, or coincidentally, excuse me, what we realized is that the the process and build for cabins, if you will, in the cruise ship business, if you think Royal Caribbean or Carnival or so forth, is in many respects, there's something there that we were able to take to bring into the patient room uh, development and production. And so uh, when you use the McMansion example, there's certainly some truth in that and, and no offense at all. So really, I love the term that you use, right? There's a repeatable unit, right? You might say like every hospital construction is kind of a unique project. But within that, yeah. there is uh, there's almost like an assembly line going through that is in a hotel setting, kind of building rooms in a hospital. Again, the unit of analysis being rooms, cabins in a, in, in, in a cruise ship. Um, You, you learned this in the shipbuilding industry. Is, is the hotel industry or office towers, are they, they kind of going through similar trans transformations? They are. They, they certainly are. And I think, you know, I'll step back a second and point out that I think uh, for any of the listeners that are already familiar with the modular industry, you know, modular construction has, has certainly been around uh, for, for quite a while. Um, but when you mentioned hospitality, for example, um, I think what we've seen is that the hospitality space has led the way in the repeatability concept. And our partners that we work with on the manufacturing side, they have worked with uh, Hilton and, and Wyndham, like others, among others, excuse me, uh, to build the hotel rooms uh, for their for their for their buildings. So, you know, we, we see them leading and, and but we think that there's an important part for for healthcare as well. Do you think that repeatability is really the mother or the father of all process improvement? <laughs> I that's a very good question. I would say that it certainly is. It is certainly um, the mother or the father. I can't necessarily say it's it's uh, the the genesis for all of it because um, you know you have to start with an original idea. Um, but of course, it's through refinement and it's through process improvement. It's through lean. Um, or in my background in software, I would say through Agile. But it's through those improvement processes that you end up with a, a better product. Um, and that's what we're hoping for here. So. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to see that industries that have embraced lean the most, like the auto industry, repeatability means that they are on cycles uh, 60 seconds for, for, for building cars, right? And between Correct. completing two cars. And so the more you have repeatability, I think the more you can learn and the more you have an incentive to learn, right? If, if every job is one of a kind, you really have no incentive of improving because the next job is going to be different. That's exactly right. That's so, exactly right. And we, yeah. 
when we speak about lean, there is kind of implicit in the word lean as the idea of waste and waste reduction. What type of waste are you taking out of the system here? Where is the inefficiency that you observed in the hospital building industry where you said like, well, look, now we're coming in with Med Modular and we're going to cut out that waste? Sure, sure. So I think from a, from a from a beginning point of view, what we would point out is, and sort of what drew our attention to this, is that when we took a look at hospital projects across the U.S. and, and analyzed them to, to start, we noticed two things that were pretty significant apart from other construction uh, projects. Number one is that <clears throat> the timeline to completion was significantly longer. And of course, we're, we're in a much more regulated environment. Building a hospital is certainly not the same thing as building a hotel, but still the timing seemed um, quite lengthy. And then the cost, the cost per square foot we noticed was extremely variable dependent on a multitude of factors. And so when we looked at the patient room, we said, okay, you know, if we take a VC example, what is our MVP, right? So what's the, what's the easiest way to prove that we can, you know, what's the minimal viable product that we can prove that we can bring uh, or reduce, you know, wastage in that, in that space. And so what we uh, end up talking about today is that we are reducing the construction time by about 30 percent by using MedModular. And what we're looking at is removing wastage from everything that goes upstream. So if you think about logistics and ordering, um, you think about all the requirements that go into the room, the finishes, um, all those things. Again, you use the automotive example, uh, Christian. So the same thing that we're thinking there in terms of, you know, if I'm building a car and I know that um, you know, I'm going to be using these seats from this manufacturer and I'm going to be using this um, LED display from, you know, whoever that partner may be. How do I work my way all the way through that supply chain to reduce inefficiency um, and taking a page out of the automotive industry? That's what we're, we're, we're actually doing um, all the way through to, OK, how do you manufacture it? You mentioned the assembly line for automotive. Again, we take a look at it and say, OK, what's our tack time? to develop and build out these rooms. Uh, how many stations do we have to be able to complete the room? Um, and what's the timing and the process and the steps, you know, via fishbone diagram on how you get there. Um, and then you take it all the way through to once the room has actually been completed, what are you doing on site to reduce wastage? Um, if we're delivering a room that is what we say is essentially 95% complete because there has to be some connections and so forth made in the field. But if we're doing that, what are we then removing at the construction site, which allows us to be more efficient? So there's multiple phases. And again, as you mentioned, I think with something else, another topic, Christian, we, we don't have the time to get into all of them. But we, we approach each one and then drive down into each one to, to determine how do we improve the process and how do we ultimately improve the final product. In case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio. I'm your host, Christian Tevish, and I'm chatting with Grant Geiger, who is the founder and CEO of Air Healthcare. And Grant and his company, they're, they're building modular hospital rooms and have been able to cut down construction costs and construction time by, by a lot. So if I think about, you mentioned two key KPIs, or key performance indicators. We talked about costs that is driven by construction time, right? Every every day the hospital, the new hospital is not open, is, is, is costing us in, in, in cash. Uh, there is a cost per square foot is a common real estate metric. 
Um, it's interesting that we haven't really talked about the patient so far, right? I mean, in some sense, this has been more like an efficiency story. And again, you and I as kind of two to half Germans or three quarter Germans, we will love the efficiency part in that. But at the end of the day, I think we all agree that it's it's about the patient. So how does the patient yeah. benefit from um, a med modular room? That's a great question. And I think what we really talk about and at this point is appropriate to introduce is, is the technology component. Um, from my background, I, my career uh, spent uh, over close to a decade at this point uh, with, with Siemens, the German engineering company, which of course you're familiar with. But what we noticed is that from a technology standpoint in healthcare, um, the, the pieces that are needed, think about EMRs, think about revenue cycle management, think about patient engagement, um, think about uh, PIXA systems for, for pharmacy. Those things don't, they don't get to be implemented until the facility has been open. Certainly there's an opportunity for the IT department and teams to work with construction but the fit-out occurs at the end of the process. And so what the other advantage that we see here, which is critical for us, is how do we find ways to integrate technology into the room in the manufacturing process so that we can deliver those things as well to the construction site? And so when, how that sort of relates to the patient is, you know, we're now living in a world where the patient room, where your patient is spending the majority amount of their time, is a smart room or an intelligent room. And there's predictive analytics, there's sensors, there is remote monitoring. There's all sorts of services that are going on which help improve the patient experience. Um, but we want them to be unobtrusive, right? We don't want them to be in your face. And so with MedModular, what we've been able to design and what we've produced is not only are we doing all those things from a construction standpoint, uh, Christian, that you and I mentioned, but we are improving the patient experience by trying to, or by integrating technologies uh, to improve the stay uh, while the patient is there. So it's really, it's really a vertical integration story that you're taking on design and innovation work that used to be carried out at the hospitals. You bring it to the supplier here, and given that you have a scale that most hospitals, unless they're like major hospital chains, that they don't have, you can just really innovate much better because you're building hospitals or hospital rooms for many more places. That's correct. That's correct. It is. It is a vertical. It is a vertical story, and it's about providing as much of that turnkey as possible. Which is interesting, right? Because you, you mentioned, again, the automotive industry before. That's that's exactly the Toyota play in many ways, is you empower the suppliers to take on more of the problem solving because, again, they're really good at that as opposed to if you're a hospital, you're really good at delivering care but not necessarily managing architecture and design. That's very true. That's very true. And, and what we end up having in our experience is that we have technology partners who now come to us and say, well, we have this communication service or we have this predictive analytic service that we are, are, are selling, can we integrate that into your product so that it's delivered and available turnkey? And the answer, of course, is yes. So, Is there, uh, is there a hiccup at the end potentially where the doctor says, well, I love this idea of modular hospital rooms, but, uh, but but please, I mean, don't move the chair from here to there. That's not what I'm used to. I mean, I, again, I, I think any... We, and I say this with all the admiration to modularity, but any modularity means 
some form of repetition to gain either efficiency or to improve the layout for the patient, that means that you are sacrificing some degree of customizations. Uh, do you do you see sometimes see pushback either from the the, the hospital builder or from the, the 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 care providers that go like ah, I really don't like the med modular room? I think you know we the the feedback that we've received has been actually overwhelmingly positive. I think the the key to to understand is you're 100 percent correct. First of all, it's not 100 percent in the same token. It's not 100 percent customizable, right? There are certain things that have to stay within a parameter for it to be effective on a production scale. However, what we're finding is that when the, you know, in your example, when the physician is saying, well, I don't really like the location of that chair, or I don't like the way that this is designed, ultimately, there's a pretty good chance, and we haven't run into a situation yet, where we haven't been able to accommodate that. Um, And I think what's important there is that we've been using and studying, quite frankly, a lot on evidence-based design practices, and what what we believe the industry is telling us is the right way to do it and then using that to drive our engineering uh, and layouts of our rooms. So we're not, at the end of the day, introducing anything that isn't, uh, for the most part, we think mainstream within the industry already. Uh, Grant, tell us about your actual operation. So you mentioned that when you ship the modular room, and I will not nail you down on the number, but you you mentioned a 95% readiness uh, for the installation. Um, do you do you actually prefabricate it? Do you like preassemble the the pieces together mm-hmm. into something that looks like a container? How 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 should we think about that? No, good question. So what we're doing is first of all, um, everything is built within a steel frame. So we're we're delivering the the fully complete uh, structure. And what we what we point out is uh, everything that's within the room. And if you take a look at our website uh, and take a look at our pictures on the on the website. The only thing that we aren't really delivering um, is the loose furniture. So, for example, we have, we have a relationship with Hillrom. Uh, Hillrom provides the beds. We have a relationship with uh, SafePole, which provides the IV pole. So those types of items, you know, let's be clear, first of all, we're, we're not delivering those. Um, however, you know, you use the, the shipping container analogy, so I, I, I want to touch on that. So what we're doing is we're essentially using we're living within the constraints, if you will, of transportation and the logistics of, of a global logistics network. However, within that, we're essentially delivering a box, uh, a room that is slightly bigger than a shipping container. However, we still use um, shipping and uh, cargo containers for transport. And um, we're able to deliver those, you know, anywhere that we that a trailer um, or that a ship is going. So, you know, that, that room is essentially built, fully encapsulated. It's actually wrapped in a plastic wrap, which is actually similar to what you would see at, you know, um, at a port um, where you have, you know, personal ships and speedboats and so forth that are wrapped. It's using the same, same similar product. And, and we deliver that directly to the, to the GC and, and directly to the, uh, to the construction site. And to give us, without getting too too much into proprietary data, but give us a rough sense, uh, complete the four, complete the blanks here for me. For for one hour of on-site construction labor, how much assembly labor do you need to have on your end to just do the same job in the pre pre-assembly world? Yeah. So we would the the way that I would I would rephrase that back to you is that we. We have uh, we build our rooms in less than 30 days. Uh, again, it depends on the requirements of the client, what goes inside it. 
but rooms are built within less than 30 days. And then our current um, estimations and, 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 and tracking, we are doing about eight hours of uh, final uh, in-the-field assembly uh, for that room. So that so, is thir- thir- 30 days is a lead time, if you will. Uh, correct. For, uh, correct. And how, how, much, how much labor is in, 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 in one unit? Is this like a 100-hour a job? Or I just have absolutely no... I mean, give me at least directionally a sense how much labor <laughs> is involved no, in there. So it's, it, it's, it's less than 150 hours of labor, and, uh, and that's, from, that's from door-to-door completion. Wow. And how, how, many, how many of those rooms have you built so far? So for the healthcare space, we, as I mentioned in the beginning, we just launched in September. So we've only built uh, our prototypes at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the overall product, and we mentioned hospitality earlier, uh, we've it's been over uh, 500 rooms have been built at this point using this technology. Now, if I, I try to make the pitch for your business here uh, so actually we're like in a pitching contest you just launched a new new product in in september you said so the first pitch is a dollar per square footage uh, construction time pitch the second pitch that we touched on is a is a patient experience pitch where you can basically say that well look because of the sensors because of the the kind of the the special glass or the special kind of installations that we do the patient will have a greater line a greater experience um, to what extent, if I think about the hospital perspective, what, what I care about is not just construction time, but kind of total cost of ownership. And so sure. if I think about downstream costs that have to deal with how the care providers are interacting with the room, how easy in hospitality it is to clean a room, uh, have you done studies on that as well? We have. And what we, what we focus on are two things. One is going back to the design. So what can we do within the room to reduce uh, the overall cost while it's in its in its life cycle, um, so those end up helping both the patient and the hospital. So, for example, using antimicrobial surfaces, um, using rounded corners and edges, using, for example, in our room we have an epoxy floor, so we actually have curved floor that is completely sealed and can be cleaned and treated um, very easily. You know, those things end up having benefits for both parties that reduces the overall we believe the maintenance costs and we're doing additional studies to figure out what that would result in um, but then the other piece which is more i would say specific to the to the hospital or the health system is in the facilities and building management standpoint so there we're talking about bms right building management systems and those things exist today but what we're essentially trying to provide there is a solution where it is when i say turnkey you're inserting that room and then you have real-time global monitoring of the status of that room. So, for example, just to give you one of them, we are using sensors within the HVAC systems to monitor for uh, VOCs. VOCs are volatile organic compounds. Again, important for the patient experience. Obviously, they don't want mold or, or any sort of bacteria growth uh, affecting the patient. But from a BMS standpoint, you can monitor that you can track it and you can be alerted to it while you're anywhere uh, globally and have an internet connection. So being able to provide those things uh, to the client and to the hospital or health system, we think are, 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 are going to be greatly beneficial. And we also think over the longer term, we'll reduce the, uh, the TCO, as you mentioned. 
So my doctoral student, Leslie Meng, and I, we just completed a study here on tracking nurses in the emergency room, and we found that basically there's a lot of walking involved, five miles per nurse yeah. we ex- after the estimate per shift. We, we talked a lot about the micro level of the room. Uh, how about the overall architecture of the hospital, kind of the, the care provision across rooms? Is that something that you've also worked on? It is, actually. Um, and and we, we, we didn't touch on this a little bit earlier, but the... Um, our, our original and initial design was was focusing on the exact same workflow that you mentioned, which is nurses' interaction, clinicians' interactions with patients, and the fact that they travel so often. And interestingly, the proposal we, we initially uh, put together and in our intellectual property around it was focused on what would be a circular design for hospitals. And, you know, interesting to take that step a little bit further is that, you know, circular design obviously not new, it's, it's, it's natural and it's been around forever, um, to, uh, but to a real estate and development standpoint, it, it does contradict maximizing the square footage or real estate of your plot of land. And so I think there's an interesting discussion there as the healthcare system evolves, because what I think we will find is that what's beneficial from a clinical and healthcare perspective may not necessarily align nicely with what is beneficial from a real estate perspective. And so there will have to be some compromise along that way. But, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that your, your study found that, you know, they were traveling so much on a daily basis. Thank you so much, Grant. Uh, Grant Geiger, the founder and CEO of Air Healthcare. Uh, we've been talking about circular layouts. Uh, everybody who has ever been in our Wharton building at Huntsman Hall, uh, join us. We'll walk the circle. It also gets rid of any corner office desires, which makes uh, it also politically much easier to roll out. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.